Looking at the chaos all around us, it can be hard to see God's grand design. Some pieces are easy and familiar, but some don't seem to fit. And a few pieces appear to be missing altogether. So is life just random? Is God really in control? Does he see something that we don't? With time and patience and trust in the designer of life itself, we'll see that God has all the pieces carefully laid out. And there will be a day when everything will come into focus and we'll see the wisdom, the perfection, and the beauty of all that God planned. Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Merry Christmas a little early. Just glad to have you along with us. I haven't met you before. My name is Grant, and I'm just so glad that you're here. Several years ago, we gave an opportunity to Christ the King to plant a house church in Thailand for 300 U.S. dollars. I'd like to show you a Christmas miracle. It's an opportunity to be thankful and to praise the God who put together all the pieces of this grand story. The language that you will hear is Thai. Your Thai brothers and sisters wanted to give you a little update about their latest tiny little baptism service that they had. Let's watch this together. <laughs>
จะมีชีวิตใหม่และก็พระเยซูจะอยู่กับเราทั้งชีวิตของเราและก็ดูแลเราทุกสิ่งทุกอย่างเพราะว่าถ้าเราพูดถึงนี้นะมีปัญหาชีวิตพระเยซูคริสต์ช่วยได้
came to Jesus who wanted to get baptized had some physical hindrances the least of which was when he was baptized he was having hip surgery the following week he would not be deterred he's just like no we offered to pour water over his head and he said nope I'm going all in and just loved his faith and his tenacity so we helped him into the tank you cheered he got baptized his caregiver and friend Kim went home soaked to the knees because she had to get in the tank to help us carry James out, and James was so grateful. James passed away just over a week ago, and we all miss him. But there was so much more to James's story. After we baptized James, I had a number of people come to me and say, Pastor, I've got to confess something. I, I treated James horribly back in the day in Nooksack. James was the, blunt, uh, or the brunt of jokes and bullying, and I encouraged every single one of them. I said, you need to go back and ask for forgiveness. You know why I did that? Because I knew exactly what James would say. James would say, oh, it's okay. It's all good. I'm good now. The morning of James's baptism, I got a gift card ready for him just to, to celebrate his baptism. I caught him in the commons after the service, and I gave him the card. And you know what he did? He rolled his wheelchair about 15 feet away and gave it to someone that he thought needed it more. That was James. It was all there in his story. Salvation, forgiveness, mercy, and generosity all wrapped up in a miracle of complete healing that James is experiencing right now in his heavenly home. God did a miracle and it all began with a single detail. A miracle named James. When you look at all that God planned in the Christmas story, you've got to marvel at how all the pieces fell together. This weekend, I want to share with you some pieces of the Christmas puzzle from ancient history. And I'm just going to plow through. You're going to see scripture flashing on the screens. And I just want to encourage you to sit back in this moment, come out of your food coma that you have induced yourself into over the last several days. And, and, just, and just bask in the fact that the God who did all of this meticulous detail knows every single thing about your life too. The first recorded prophecy in the Bible is about Jesus. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they fell into a trap led by, uh, laid out by Satan and, and, and God showed up and cursed this snake. 
Genesis 3 says, I will put enmity between you, meaning Satan and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's known as the proto-evangelium, which means first gospel. We're three chapters into the book of Genesis. Everything is perfect in Genesis 1 and 2. God, man, woman, and all living creatures are together in perfect harmony. And then in the beginning of Genesis 3, sin enters the world. And we see the fall of mankind into sin. We see the questions posed by the snake and the effects of sin as Adam and Eve and their relationship with God are suddenly marked by guilt and shame and fear and there's this separation that occurs and it's heartbreaking. But in the middle of it all, in the middle of what could be called the worst moment of the Old Testament where sin enters into the world and brings along with it natural disasters and rampant evil and horrible injustice, into that reality God gives a promise. I love the fact that he talks to the snake. He says, there's going to be enmity. There's going to be deep conflict between you and everyone who comes from this woman, which, by the way, is all of us, which, by the way, is why we all battle sin every single day. And yet in the middle of that dialogue, there's a promise here. The first gospel promises there's one coming from Eve, from her offspring. And this is what the Bible says, who will crush the serpent's head, who will defeat sin, and who will defeat the devil once and for all. Somebody say amen. It's a prophetic picture of Jesus the coming Messiah, the Deliverer, the Savior. It's a promise of Jesus from the very beginning of the Bible that God will never leave us alone in the battle against sin, but instead that God would come to us. That Jesus would come, that he would live a sinless life, never once give in to temptation. And even though he had no sin of his own to pay for, no curse like we talked about last week that he deserved to, to die for, that instead he would choose to die for us. Galatians 3 says Jesus took on, these are strong words, a curse for us. Jesus took the penalty of our sin on himself, on the cross. So get this, so that you and I can be forgiven of all of our sin against God. We can be free from its power over us and free from its ultimate penalty in our lives. And this is the fulfillment of that promise. Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of time had come. That's Christmas. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Second piece. The promised Messiah would not only crush the head of the serpent, but he would also be born of a virgin. And that is just defied by simple biology, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it just doesn't seem to, to make sense because we all know it just doesn't work that way. And yet God made a seemingly impossible declaration that his son would be born in this miraculous way. 700 years, 700 years before Jesus was born in human form, the prophet Isaiah said these words, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And we all know that means God with us. Against all logic, against all biology, this is exactly what happened. And I love the fact that Mary had a few questions. The Bible says that Mary said to the angel, uh, how can this be? <laughs> Since I've never known a man, 
And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And then in a different place at a different time, the angel talks to Joseph and says, that which is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 1.20. And yes, it all meant the Virgin Mary was going to have a baby boy. I want you to think about it this way. Every time we talk about Christmas, this is the picture I want in your head. God planned an unplanned pregnancy. Think about that for a second. God planned an unplanned pregnancy. From Mary would come the Son of God, which takes us to the third piece. The Messiah that was prophesied to be the seed of the woman would also be the perfect Son of God. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, Old Testament. The Lord has said to me, meaning Jesus, you are my son today. I have begotten you. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. By being born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was fully God and fully man. And the angel announced it in perfect detail to Mary. Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. This little baby, the one we celebrate at Christmas time, God in human form, would come from a line, a broken line of people. We talked about them in some detail last week. I freaked you all out when I rolled out a Christmas tree before Thanksgiving even happened. Some of you are still recovering. That outstanding genealogical characteristic of Jesus is that it would come, and this is the fourth piece, that he would come directly from the lineage of David. God made a promise to King David that the Messiah would come from his family tree and he would be a king that would reign forever. Here's the promise in 2 Samuel 7. I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be his father and he will be my son. Like we said last week, you know, anytime we run into a genealogy in scripture, we just want to hit that skip button. Like, let's just get on to the the good stuff. But hopefully I showed you at least a little bit last week. If you take the time to read them, we discover that Jesus was exactly who he was supposed to be, a descendant of David from a kingly line. And then God gets into the granular He gets into even deeper detail and adds a a fifth piece that not only would Jesus be born of a woman, not only would he be conceived by the Holy Spirit, not only would he come from the line of David, but that he would be born in a little tiny, out-of-the-way, obscure town called Bethlehem. God declared very specifically who this Messiah would be, and he was very specific about where the Messiah would be born. Again, 700 years before Jesus arrives, The prophet Micah speaks on behalf of God and says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel. The morning of the missile attack in Jerusalem, those of you who were traveling with me in Israel, you remember what we did that day. We went to Bethlehem. We went to the shepherd's caves. While the world was freaking out, we sat in a cave and sang Silent Night. All is calm. All is bright. 
If you've been a Christ the King for some years, you've heard me preach this before, but it so bears repeating. Bethlehem, this obscure little town, the name of Bethlehem means house of bread. Think about that. Out of the house of bread would come the bread of life. Outside of Bethlehem in the fields was a place called Migdal Adar. Migdal Adar was the place where the sacrificial lambs for the temple were raised by priests and shepherds. Their goal was to produce a spotless lamb to become a sacrifice. Out of Migdal Adar, just outside of Bethlehem, would come the good shepherd who ultimately would become our sacrificial lamb. I love my Bible and God's attention to detail. And the details continue. The Son of God was coming from Bethlehem, but there was an issue. Mary and Joseph didn't live in Bethlehem. No problem for God. Here's another piece, Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. All of the details of wrapping the baby in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes were strips of linen the shepherds used to to wrap sheep so that they would remain perfect in their way so that they could be qualified to be sacrificed in the temple. It's just all of the detail is so wrapped up, everything wrapped in a moment that God planned. Even after the birth of Jesus, God is still in the details. 600 years before Jesus arrives, another prophet by the name of Hosea writes this. He says, out of Egypt I called my son. His prophecy confused Jewish scholars. I mean, how could you say, how could God say his son would come from Bethlehem and at the same time he would be called out of Egypt? Seems impossible. Unless there's a supernatural plan in place. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Can I remind you again of the miracle of that? There's a 600-year gap between the prophetic word and the fulfillment. If you're waiting for a miracle, don't be discouraged or give up. God has a different timeline than we do. Let me tell you why these details should matter to you. I mean, I know some people would respond and say, Grant, these are just obscure little details of a story that started a couple of thousand years ago. And yeah, we still do the Christmas thing, but honestly, what does this have to do with me? It starts with this, a small little detail about God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He planned every detail of his son's life, And he's mapped out all of the pieces of your life as well. God has all of the pieces. I want you to think about that for a second. 
God has all of the pieces. The broken pieces. The pieces that don't make sense yet. The pieces that hurt. The pieces that bring you joy. The pieces that are still upside down. The pieces that are still to be turned over. The pieces that are anchored in place and have made the frame of your life solid. They are all there. Not a single one of them has escaped the attention of God. Hopefully, if you get nothing else this morning, you've got to walk out of here going, God apparently has a thing for details. Not a single detail of your life has escaped him. Not a single. I used to love doing jigsaw puzzles with my grandma Smith. My grandma was just a kick in the pants. She was joy personified, laughter all the time. She had this funky little northern Manitoba dance that she used to do every time her grandkids showed up. That's on video and it will show up at some point and haunt me, right? We would do jigsaw puzzles together. It's just one of the things that we did to pass time on the farm. And I remember as a little kid, we would always follow exactly the same plan. We would lay all of the pieces out and we would turn them picture face up, right? Because they were all gray on one side. You had to make sure that they were all flipped over so you could see that. And that was the first step of making sure that everything was done. And then we would sort out the edge pieces and start working on the border, right? So you could have something to anchor your understanding. And we had a plan. And it was exactly the same plan every single time. And it didn't matter whether it was a little kid's puzzle or one of those thousand-piece monsters that we would work on during Christmas. We did the same thing over and over again. Pour them all out, flip them all over, find the edges, work from the edges towards the center. We'd work on the outside and then we'd work on the major pieces of the picture, no matter what it was, right? A windmill, a barn, a person, a puppy, and then we would work our way out. And I remember those moments when we would have created a chunk and then it connected into the bigger part of the puzzle. And you'd slide over like this chunk of puzzle and you'd slide it over and you'd hook it, you'd anchor it into one of the corners and it was just so good and we always left the sky till the end because blue is just plain hard right it's just blue what do you do with blue and you got to go one at a time and try to put the pieces together somewhere along the process this became almost like a tradition but but i would hide a single piece of the puzzle (laughs) and i was convinced grandma never caught on was really funny because she always hit a piece too. (laughs) Every time. And we'd work on the puzzle and work on the puzzle and then when all of the pieces came together, there would always be two pieces missing and I'd reach into my pocket and hold out my hand and she'd reach into her apron pocket and she'd hold out her hand and we would put the two lost pieces in And then we would just sit and look at the completed picture together. And sometimes it sat there for five hours. Sometimes it sat there for five minutes. It went right back in the box and we were on to the next one. My friends, I need all of us to understand this. The process and the plan of your life will never be fully appreciated until the puzzle's complete. 
And this is what you need to know, and this is what I need to know. As we walk into this Christmas season together, you need to know this. I know it's not deeply profound, but honestly, I would challenge you, if you dig into this one, you're going to find that it may be one of the most profound utterances of truth that you have ever heard. If you're still here, your puzzle is not God is putting the pieces in place one by one. And that may require patience and trust and obedience and hope. It may require you having to come back time after time after time and say, God, I just don't understand how these pieces are going to fit together. But hopefully from today, you've looked back over several thousand years of history and go, if God could but meticulously put all of those pieces together... I am in such good hands, even when I don't understand. I need all of us to know, not only is our puzzle not done, all of the pieces are there. Not a single one is missing. Nothing falls off of God's table to be lost. They're all right there in front of him. And the God who planned Christmas down to the minutest details is with you and he is for you. And the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. His design is perfect. And one day, God will reveal the picture in full. And in that moment, all of your waiting and all of your questions will make perfect sense. You know, I remember the first night I met Enoch Siracule. Enoch had a nickname. He was from Thailand and everybody called him Nock. And he was a tiny little Thai pastor. And we went for dinner at Bill and Renee Bliss's. And I had heard about Nock before, and he sat across the table. He had this infectious little giggle. And I remember after dinner, he started sharing, and he said, he said, Grant, less than 0.01% of Thailand know Jesus. But I've taken it, I've taken it as my life mission to change that number. Several years ago, Nock passed away, massive heart attack. And we all wondered, God, what are you doing? How can you take the champion of Thailand's national plan off the game board? I look at it a little differently now. Nock's work was done. And now he's in heaven with James. They're probably having an amazing conversation. I'm hoping they're kind of talking about those people from Christ the King. They're crazy. They're crazy. They do strange things. Radically generous. Stuck up in the corner of the Pacific Northwest. Out of the way. Obscure little town. Starts with a B. Bethlehem, Bellingham. What in the world? We were wondering what in the world God was doing. But my perspective now is Knox's puzzle was done. 
he got to go home. And that spurred us on to do even more with our brothers and sisters. And God kept handing pieces of the puzzle and we kept putting things together under the, his guidance. And now it just keeps rippling over and over and over again. Not a single piece of your life is missing. My question is, I wonder how many pieces you've taken and hidden in your pocket because you think you know better than a God who could create that kind of detail in Christmas. And if nothing else comes out of this service today, my prayer is that you will hand back your lost pieces and trust him to put it all back where it's supposed to be. Would you pray with me? Father God, so grateful today that there are no lost pieces that you can take broken pieces and put them back together again God I pray that each one of us would, would surrender any piece of life that, that we've taken on our own Lord an old hurt, an old wound an old memory maybe even an old victory that we've claimed as our own pray today we would offer that back to you say God you're in the details so I choose to trust you even when it doesn't make sense I choose to trust you and God may every, every moment of this Christmas season press our minds back and our hearts back to a God who's in the details who had it all planned out for us so, Lord, as we bring our time together today to a close in worship and praise, God, I thank you that you created us with a purpose and a plan, that nothing has escaped you, and that your will will be done. Lord, may we be in alignment with your perfect will today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Our Messiah's our deliverers. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to worship one last song, three minutes of your life. What if you held your hand like this and surrendered anything you've held on to? Eve, Randy, the team, would you lead us?